Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these friends. Thank you for the energy and love that is in our church. I thank you, God, that people want to hang out. They want to talk. They want to gather together. I pray this morning, God, that you would help us as we just kind of settle down a little and now look to your word. God, may we see how big our sin is, but how big you are. God, as we look to the cross this morning, as we look to your son, may we be reminded of the foundation of our faith. It is a bedrock that cannot be shaken. Lord, you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell do not prevail against it. So this morning, may your church be encouraged and edified. And God, we would be challenged to live in light of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, friends. Well, if you have not been with us for the past couple of weeks, we have started a series through the book of Colossians. So if you could please open to Colossians chapter 1. This morning we are going to be in verses 15 through 23. Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. And, and what we are doing this morning is we are actually starting to take a turn out of Paul's introduction and his prayer of thanksgiving to look into the meat of what is happening here in the book of Colossians. Uh, the Colossian church was founded by Epaphras, who came and preached the gospel of the Lycus Valley. He proclaimed the good news that Jesus has died for our sins that he was buried, and that he rose from the grave, and that if we turn from our sin and trust in him, we can walk in newness of life and be saved by God. This is the good news that we hold to. And one of the things that we have covered through Colossians, an important theme that we need to continue to remind ourselves of this morning, is our union with Christ. That when we become Christians, we are united together with Jesus. That means that God now sees us in the light of his Son. That we are no longer enemies of God, but we have been brought near as God's friends, his beloved, his children. That we are adored by him. That he cares for us. That he knows us. And he gives us a new identity. An identity that is rooted in him. Now, one of the major uh, pushbacks that this Colossian church is facing uh, was this kind of teaching around fullness. These false teachers came from within this church and basically were trying to create a sense of spiritual elitism where I am better than you because of these things. They were saying to these young believers, these new Gentile believers of the Lord, that the beginning of their salvation was Christ. You put your faith in Christ, you're good, good job, that's the beginning, but you need a fuller experience in order to be a real good Christian. And sometimes we can see this in the life of local churches in our area when we start to measure and add extra things to the gospel. Sometimes this is done intentionally. Sometimes it's done unintentionally. In ways where we say, well, this person's a good Christian because they do these things. Friends, this morning, the truth that you need to hear is that you're a good Christian because you're in Christ. That outside of Christ, we are not good. We are broken in our sin and it separates us from God. And we need this redeeming work of Christ to save us. And not just save us, but to sustain us. And that is really what we're going to dive into this morning in Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. So read along with me and follow along silently as I read to you the word of God for the church this morning. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile to mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Friends, the simple reality of this sermon series is to reiterate time and time again that we are alive in Christ. Our life comes in Christ, our Christian walk is rooted in Christ, our identity is in Christ, and everything is going to continue to point us back to the person of Jesus. As we look at the gospel, as we reflect on the gospel, the good news of what he has done, our hope and our foundation is in the gospel. But our peace is also in the gospel. We continue to see again and again that God is good to us by his graciousness in Christ. We don't graduate outside of being in Christ. We are complete in Christ. And so there are four S's that you need to know today from Colossians 1, verses 15. That Christ is supreme. That's the first S. Christ is supreme. Second, Christ is sufficient. He is sufficient. Third, we are called to be stable. We're called to be stable. The fourth, we're called to be steadfast. We're called to be steadfast. And each one of these pieces is like a chain link where everything is held together. It's not just that you climb up a linear uh, sort of level, right? You're not upgrading to the next level. You're not leveling up like you do in a video game. You are connected here, and, and each one of these pieces builds upon each other. But we need Christ to be supreme in order to be sufficient, in order to be stable and to be steadfast. We need the supremacy of Christ. Without the supremacy of Christ, all of those things fall out of place. And if we take one link out of the chain, our chain is broken and it no longer holds its value and its worth. It can also be seen in the picture of a building. This building sits on a cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone of the church. Or maybe, how many of you have played Jenga? Right? Jenga, right. So the best thing about Jenga is you've got this tower, right? You pull the little pieces out and whoever makes the tower fall over loses, right? If you pull Christ out of the Jenga pile of the church, everything falls. It's not like you can trick this out of people. If you pull Christ, the whole foundation crumbles. So first, let's just walk through the text. Jesus is the supreme God who is sufficient to save us and complete us. In him, we are stable and steadfast. First, Christ is seen in his supremacy through creation. Verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
It's likely that in this church setting that the Colossians were being uh, taught by false teachers that Jesus just kind of came into place. Uh, it, we see in the Gospels that many of the, the false teachers and the religious leaders and those that did not know Jesus saw him as a magician or saw him as a prophet. They knew him as a man from Galilee. That he had been born of Mary. That he was the son to Joseph, the carpenter. Uh, this reality is that people see Jesus in the lens of a human lens. But Jesus is more than a human. He is 100% human and 100% God. He is the firstborn of all creation. This means that in the beginning, as all things were created, they were created through him. That with God, he existed in eternity past to bring about the existence of the earth. This morning we read from Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, God. The beginning was God, and Jesus was with God. And then it tells us in Genesis 1 that God spoke creation into existence. He said, let there be light, and light came. This is a creation ex nihilo, out of nothing. God creates, and he uses Jesus as his agent of creation. It says that by him, all things were created. Verse 16, Provide him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. You hear that? In heaven and earth. This isn't just a slice in which we get to look at the pie and say, okay, Jesus, you're good because you created this much. No, Jesus created it all. Everything that comes into existence exists because God has willed it to exist. He has spoken it into his presence and life. He has placed it through his son, Jesus. And heaven and earth, that's a pretty big cosmological picture. The visible and invisible, right? We're really good at the, the visible things, right? The invisible things, I don't know, I don't know how the wind works. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know why the sun comes up where it comes up. I know that there's all sorts of schooling behind that. It wasn't my in school. I'm more of a math guy, so I like adding and subtracting that. Science doesn't prevent my sleep. But nonetheless, what we see here is that Jesus is involved in every single thing that is created. And it says not only was he the agent of creation, but that he was the object of creation. The agent of creation, all things were created through him the object of their affection and for him. Creation exists for him. In verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I've told you many times that I believe in the sovereignty of God, and hopefully you believe in the sovereignty of God this morning as well. And one of the things that we know is that as we believe in the sovereignty of God, that he works all things together. All things, not just the things we want him to or the things we don't want him to, but all things. He works together. The moment that we step outside of this building, God is holding you in his hand. The moment that your feet touch the floor in the morning, God is holding you in his hand. Jesus is Christ, the creator. He's supreme as creator. All things 
bow down to our Creator, King Jesus. Jesus is also the head of the church. Verses 18 through 20. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See the supremacy of Christ in the church. First and foremost, you will hear constantly from me and from anybody that gets in this pulpit that Jesus is the head of the church. We look to Jesus as our authority. He is the king, the ruler, the leader of God's people. We bow down to him. We answer to him. We are under him. We are in him. He is the head of the body. Again, see this imagery Paul reflects again. He says, he is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn from creation and the firstborn from the dead. This points to his resurrection. How can Jesus have authority in the church? Jesus can have authority over the church and the world because he rose from the grave. This is why the resurrection is so central to the message of the gospel. A lot of us like to hear the gospel in this way. Jesus died for your sins. Trust in him with your heart. That's not the full gospel, friends. The full gospel is Jesus has died for your sins, that he was buried, and he rose from the grave. He can't do anything for your sins if he just dies. He has to rise from the grave to accomplish the weight and the payment that was necessary to take away your sin. He rises from the grave in authority to show death that it has no hold on him. To show sin that there is a master that needs to bow to and is our creator king. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the world because he has made a way through what was impossible, through the resurrection. And as he rose from the grave, he became the firstborn from the dead, that in everything the ESV says he might be preeminent. I like the Christian Standard Bible. It says supreme. I think supreme is an easier word, but preeminent sounds pretty cool, right? <laughs> Nonetheless, he is supreme. But see how his supremacy also links to his sufficiency. These two pieces are interconnected. As Jesus is supreme over these things, as he is the firstborn of all of these things, he also holds all of them together. Jesus holds creation. Friends, hear this. These hot days that we have, these humid days like yesterday, like today, the things that they have thrown, Jesus holds these, holding these things together. As we start to look at the, the elections coming up and the debates that are going to happen, as we do this, this talk about the world, chicken little is going to come out again, right? The whole world is crumbling, everything's falling apart. How do we deal with these things? We, we're destroying the world that's around us. Okay, that might be true. There, there might be good evidence behind that. But hear this. Nonetheless, God holds all things together. We don't have to run around like chickens with our heads cut off saying, what are we going to do? We can trust in our God, knowing that we have been placed here temporarily. So look to Him and be with Him for eternity in heaven. But praise God, 
that while we look to heaven, he has placed us in the body of the church. Do you need encouragement this week? Do you need somebody to pray for you this week? Have you just been overwhelmed by work, or by relationships, or by things not coming together, or not working just how you wanted to hear this God has placed you in the church? find your sufficiency in Christ. We exist in this community that is the local church to point one another to Jesus to say, hey, who do you trust? Who do you believe? Who is the author and perfecter of life? Who is your king? Who is your head? Because it is Jesus. When we can empathize with one another, that's not to minimize our feelings and to say, hey, that's not important for you to do that work through or talk through is very important, yes. But we can have peace and hope knowing that Jesus holds everything. Jesus is the creator. He's the head of the church. He has supremacy and sufficiency because of his death and his resurrection. Jesus is also our redemption. As we look to these pieces about Jesus, we hear in verses 21 to 23 three different descriptions of us. See the infinite. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, being evil beings, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. There are three ways that we can see people. First, who we were before. And verse 21 says that we were alienated, that we were hostile. We were doing evil deeds. Before God, we were separated from Him. Friends, not one of us escapes depravity. There is no human that was not alienated or evil before God. Every single one of us is in this condition of sin. And sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, who believed what the Bible teaches. As God created the world, He created man and woman in His image and in His likeness as He worked with Adam and Eve, that they rebelled against Him, and that brought a separation that not only affected them, but affected the entire human race. We are broken and separated from God. But here this good news. In verse 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. You were alienated and separated from God. You were hostile in your mind. You were doing evil deeds, but you have been brought into reconciliation. In Christ, you are holy. You are blameless. You are above reproach. In Him, 
in Christ, we now stand in holiness. We now stand set apart, living for God. We also stand blameless. Blameless in Christ. And above reproach. Friends, this is good news. This is where we are. But Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't just celebrate that, hey, congratulations, you are good. That is great news to soak in. He continues to push them on. And he says, this is where we need to go. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. He says, if you continue in the faith, so what does that mean? Is this, is this Paul teaching that you can lose your salvation? No. This is Paul teaching that is a mark of our salvation. We can see a continuance in the faith. I need just want to say they're continuing in the faith. It's a mark that we can trust in. It's also a look to the eternal salvation that we'll experience in Christ when he comes again. That if we continue to persevere in him, we know that in the end, when Jesus restores all things, we will be with him. It says, stable and steadfast. And what does Paul mean by stable and steadfast here? Paul is concerned for these Colossians because they started in the gospel. They had other believers start in the gospel. This church came into formation. They were receiving the teaching of of the word of God, and then false teachers rose from this congregation, and he's concerned that they're wavering from the gospel. Friends, what these false teachers are saying is that you have no stability in Christ. If you want to be with God, you need to continue to fulfill the list of actions. You have to do more. You have to continue to perform and to meet the standard. Friend, the standard was meant for you in Christ. It is not yours to accomplish, it is his that he has finished. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Your redemption is complete in Christ. Your fullness is complete in Christ. You don't need something else to run to. You need Jesus to run to. You don't need more actions performed. You need to get on your knees before the cross. You need to confess your sin and look again to the Jesus who has purchased and redeemed you. And see your sin, but see the greatness of God. As we look at the gospel and our trajectory, as we start in our walk of faith, we all start kind of like, Little, little baby shark, right? Oh, yeah, baby shark. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we start baby sharkling, right? Our, our sin is our top hand, and we're like, okay, look how big our sin is. Look at how big the gospel is. Wow. You see, it makes a triangle, right? There's, there's this beautiful piece in between. But sometimes what people think is that our, our walk with God actually needs to go the other way around. But we start here, and our, our sin and, and all that back here, and, and so we're okay. The reality is, is that as we walk in the gospel, we go from baby shark to mama shark to daddy shark to grandma shark to oh my goodness, that's Sharknado. Right? 
we continue on this line, in this trajectory where we see how good the gospel is and how great our sin is. The more we grow in Christ, it's not the more perfect we become, it's the more aware of our imperfection we become. We don't look at it and say, hey, I've got all this together. Look at that person who's a great Christian. They've got it all together. Listen, they're crumbling inside. They're absolutely falling apart. They're only held together by the grace of God. And guess what? You don't need any more than that. The grace of God holds you together. Praise be to God that he holds us and sustains us and completes us. Because if it was left to you and me, well, we would be in trouble, friends. We'd be trying to fulfill this list of actions. We'd be running at 100 miles an hour thinking, okay, hey, I have to turn this rock and that rock and find every little imperfection and make sure that I am complete. Friend, you're complete in Christ. Stop turning the rock. Stop running 900 miles an hour. Pause and look to Jesus again. This isn't just the beginning. This is the middle road, the end goal to be in Christ. We also see our steadfastness as we continue to see our hope. I hope this morning as you are hearing about Jesus has done for you, as you're reminded of these things, I hope that your heart is stirred again with affection. It's stirred up again as you look to Jesus and, and you're reminded that you have hope. You have something that other people are lacking, and it's in Christ. It's hope. If we were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, the good news is that we can reconcile and that no matter how far off the road we go, if Jesus is holding us, or if our life doesn't turn out the way that we want it to, if Jesus is holding us, it's going to work out. It's God's, not God's. But we need Christ to be supreme. We need to be reminded that He's sufficient. We need stability, friends. Stability comes in the gospel. It comes in the gospel. Stop trying to fulfill a list of commands that Jesus didn't lay out for you. Start living the one that he has fulfilled. We need steadfastness. We need to continue to look to our Lord. So praise God that he sent his son. That in him we are alive. United with Jesus, that He has brought us to redemption. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the reality of your Son. We thank you for what He has done. God in the beginning, who are working in Him, through Him, and by Him. That now we're continuing to work in Him and by Him and through Him and in the church. God, may we trust you to do what only you can do. May we glorify you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. God, may we handle it to the cross and confess our sins more. God, maybe some of us are here thinking, oh, man, I've just been going at it. I've been a busy bee, but I haven't rested in the promises of the 
pray. So God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to stop for a moment to remember the goodness of Christ. Help us, God, to continue to know, to battle against this temptation to think that we need to graduate out of Christ into something else. Help us to fight that. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to be stable and steadfast. And we glorify you. Amen. Church, one of the greatest ways that we can respond is to sing about So if you would, please stand with us, sit whatever's comfortable for you, as we continue to worship God through the response of song.